0: Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh my God, how could he do that? Are you on Charles Darwin.
1: All right, Logan. So today we are getting ambitious. I think that it's probably safe to say this is the most prep we've ever had to do for a podcast. We're going to be doing a full first round NBA mock draft today. We're going to call this mock draft 1.0. We might come back with another one later. Who knows? Because now we've done the hardest part. We've looked through all the film. We've thought about the fits. We'll have to reconsider the fits, but we've got the player evaluations down, and we're going to be doing this mock draft as if we were the GMs because we do not have inside information. We don't know what the fools that might be Kobe Altman in Cleveland is thinking. So we can't guess. We're just going to do what we would do if we were in those situations.
0: Man, Carson, you said it perfectly. This has been more prep than I think I've ever done for any show. I mean, I think I had... At one time, I think I got to about six pages of just writing. Yeah. It's it's insane. Yeah. But uh, I guess if we're going to get it started, uh, the first team on the clock is your Golden State Warriors. And, Carson, I have taken the bait. Okay. But the Warriors will not take your boy here. Okay. I threw in a couple trades in here, and I say that an ideal situation for the Warriors, they're able to deal the pick to the Hawks with some additional compensation. Interesting. Now, I don't think – if the Warriors get to draft night and – how do you say his name? Avidya? We're saying, uh, I'm going to keep saying Denny Avidya
1: because I haven't heard anything that conclusively says that's different. Mike Schmidt says it a different way. The announcers say it
0: basically Avidya. So I'm sticking with that. It's not spelled that way though. If they feel that Avidia stock is too... It's too hot to let him go at number one. I would say just take him here, mm-hmm. but an ideal situation for the Warriors. They're able to deal the pick to Atlanta, get back the third pick and some additional compensation, maybe Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, something along those lines that Atlanta is okay to part ways with. And with the first pick, Atlanta takes Anthony Edwards.
1: Okay. I think that's a reasonable outcome. And if I'm Atlanta, I am thrilled with that outcome because to me, by far the guy that Atlanta would want, although actually I think that it, a video could be really good for them. but. Edwards is that dynamic shot maker. I do think there's a little bit of a conflict there between him and Trey Young because Edwards is still a shot maker first and foremost, and Trey Young dominates the ball there, but he's the best prospect available. If I am the GM of the Warriors, if I'm Bob Myers, I'm sitting here and I'm taking Denny Avidya. He's the most versatile player in this draft on both sides of the ball. Defensively, he can guard multiple positions. He's athletic. He can shoot as a spot up guy on offense. He can take people off the dribble. he's tough. He really does everything in my opinion. And he's the most pro ready player in this draft. And if you are in their window where you have a late prime Steph Curry, a late prime Draymond green, a late pl- prime clay Thompson, you are trying to win a championship
0: now. And I think that Avidia is the guy that helps them most in that pursuit. For, for me, I think that taking Anthony Edwards, if you're Atlanta and you make this happen, you get another defensive player that helps your horrendous— you've got to have someone pick up Trey Young there. And if DeAndre Hunter continues coming along defensively, you have a nice defensive starting five there with Hunter, with Edwards, and then at the five spot, you have Clint Capella, which I think will help them down the road as well. And Edwards is pretty good on offense. I mean, I think absolutely the
1: need for this Hawks team is a 3 and D wing, and they tried to meet that need with two guys last year in DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish we don't know if he's going to be that guy long term it looks like Hunter will be I have the Hawks filling this need in another way a couple picks down the line because well I didn't predict a trade but let's move on to the second pick the Cleveland
0: Cavaliers who do you have going here so a lot of the mocks say that they should take LaMelo ball and I am for that in, in my draft scenario because Edwards is not here Right. They, they have to move one of their guards, though, if, if they're going to make this happen. It just it wouldn't work.
1: They have to move one of their guards no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I have them taking Anthony Edwards because he is still available on my theoretical board. And I think, as I said, for 90 percent of NBA teams, he'd be the first overall pick no matter what. It's because of the Warriors window. But you're talking about a dynamic scorer and shot maker he has been inconsistent and he has he's had moments where his feel has been questionable but projects to also have that defensive ability he's a heck of an athlete and he's the best player available and i think that if you're the Cavs, you are not so dedicated to colin sexton or darius garland that you're going to overlook the best player available one of those guys has to be moved that to me is not even a discussion and then you hope edwards can play alongside Really, I would hope a Darius Garland. He would still be my my preferred one to keep between the two. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do, and I also hope that Edwards doesn't toil away and stop playing defense as we've seen with a guy like mm-hmm. Colin Sexton because the Cavs are just so bad. But I think he got, he's got tremendous
0: upside. I think his floor is relatively high because of the defensive potential, and he's a great prospect. I also consider James Wiseman here at this spot, but it would just be foolish for the Cavs to add another front court player. And of course, in this in scenario, we are the general managers. Right. I think LaMelo Ball is a little too talented to pass up. The only um, downside to LaMelo is he has been shooting 25% from deep on the season in the NBL, which is a little concerning. But That that should change in the NBA.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's interesting because LaMelo is a great free throw shooter. He's 84% from the line. Of course, he's done for the season now with with his injury, Mm -hmm. but tremendous touch on his floaters. So he has the natural touch. He just doesn't have the the consistent outside shot, and that's something that he's never had. But I love LaMelo as a prospect. I just don't have him going here because Anthony Edwards is still available, and I think Anthony Mm -hmm. Edwards is a better prospect. Moving on to the – or excuse me, for you, the Warriors, the third overall pick, who do you have them taking?
0: So as I said, the Warriors now the third pick, I have them taking a video here and it'll be an interesting dynamic. You have to figure out who's starting. I just bring a video off the bench, let him find his role on the squad, find his role in the league first, sit behind Wiggins and be a, I mean, he's a point guard on offense and a power forward on defense. He's, he's really tremendous and he'd be an awesome first guy off the bench.
1: Yeah. And as you mentioned, he fits that big ball handler mold right right now, but he's not at, at the level as far as playmaking and ball handling of, like, a Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. But that also means that he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands as much. Mm-hmm. And he is a weapon off-ball, which I think is definitely part of the intrigue. I agree – He's my favorite prospect for the Warriors. I still would bring him off the bench, at least to start, because you have invested a lot in Wiggins, and Wiggins has some serious potential, and you're not starting Draymond at the five for chunks of the regular season, at least. So I have the Hawks third overall, taking Isaac Okoro, the freshman out of Auburn, and I don't love this pick, because I think that Okoro is decently flawed. He's only shooting 27% from three and 64% from the line, and that could be really problematic. He's not a dynamic offensive threat to me, really overall at all i mean he attacks the rim well he's good downhill he's a good cutter but it's the defense he's incredible defensively he's he's got all the defensive ability you're looking for and the vision for this hawks team as we talked about earlier is you have trey young you put shooters around him you put a rim running defensive center in clint capella and i I think that's the questions of where john collins fits into their long-term fit because you don't want to play him defensively as a four But he's certainly not a defensive five. And I think his defense, when you're considering the fact that they already have a liability like Trey Young, might be the reason that Mm -hmm. that John Collins doesn't stay here long term. And as I mentioned, Cam Reddish is not a guy that I would hold on to as, you know, a cornerstone because he just hasn't looked like that. There was one other guy I considered who was Obi Toppin because positionally, you can put him at the four. He offensively is a much better fit because he's a lights out shooter, but he doesn't bring you that defense. And what they need is the defense. And Okoro is also over three years younger. He just turned 19 or excuse me, just less than three years younger, but just turned 19 while Toppin's about to turn 22. Okoro going number three in a draft to me is kind of mind blowing because he's so flawed, but that's the state of this draft right now. I think lamelo Ball is a much better prospect. There is not a world
0: in which lamelo Ball can play with Trae Young. Yeah, I have Okoro um, going in the lottery. It really surprises me to see him going third here. The thing with me is the Hawks have one need. They need a three and D wing.
1: And if Anthony Edwards isn't available, Okora is the only one that even has the potential to fit that mold. They're not going to take Wiseman. They just invented and in invested in their center, which means they're also not going to take Onyeka. They're not going to take another point guard. And most of the valuable prospects in this draft overall are primary ball handlers, which is why actually later on I have some big names slipping because you look at the position, it's Who needs scoring point guards? Well, not that many teams. It's already a loaded position, and that's even more what this draft is loaded with. So that's why I have them taking the guy that positionally makes the most sense. Defensively, he's great, and if he can become more consistent shooting, he could be a really good player, but they're not going to get a second superstar out of this draft unless they get Anthony Edwards. I agree. So moving on to the number four spot, who do you have the Timberwolves taking?
0: It's time, Carson. Okay, I, uh, I told you I threw some trades in there. This is my final one, and it's a it's a pretty big deal. Nice. So if the Timberwolves pull this off, this is obviously a major steal. And if the opposing team says, no, well, I can't blame them. My proposed idea for the Timberwolves. So they know James Wiseman is available, right. and they know that teams are going – Wiseman has a lot of value. They'd be able to get a lot of assets for a guy like James Wiseman still being on the board. So my idea here, Evan Turner and Alan Crabb come off the books in free agency. You don't bring them back. You package the pick alongside a guy like Jared Culver, and the Timberwolves get Bradley Beal. Whoa. Potentially I th- an additional first, additional two first, whatever you need to make this deal happen. Wow. That's very interesting. And I think that there an is incentive, an incentive for
1: the Wizards to do that because you're building around younger talent. You have John Wall coming back. So there is some restriction to how much you can rebuild mm-hmm. in that sense because you're not moving off that Wall contract. And this is interesting. I mean, Culver has had good stretches this year. He's had a lot of bad stretches, mm-hmm. though, and I don't know if this draft is appealing enough to the Wizards for them to say, we're going to give up by far most valuable asset in our current franchise cornerstone for this. At the same time, their franchise is going nowhere. So this is interesting enough where I will consider it as being
0: realistic, but I think that there's probably at least one more asset the Timberwolves need to throw in. Well, I figure we're going to get some shock trades draft night. I don't know if I doubt it's going to be Beal. I just figured if the Timberwolves can pull something like this off, the Wizards here at this pick would take Wiseman. Then you have... John Wall, whenever he comes back, you have Culver at the two spot, Wiseman at the five, you have a younger lineup. And like you said, that Wall contract is going to be a beast to move on from.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the Wizards right now are a team that is built on a pace and space offense. And if you're looking at what Jarrett Culver can do, he's not that reliable as a shooter yet, but he's a guy that can handle the ball and he can playmake even as a really a wing defensively, which you like to see from him and Wiseman in the pick and roll with him could be exciting for the Timberwolves. If they pull this off, I mean that's a top five offensive in basketball. Yeah. I don't think it even matters who's around them now. Defense whole another story, but the combination of the Delo towns, pick and roll Beal playing off of that Beal in isolation situations, the Beal towns, pick and roll. I mean, that is really mm-hmm. unstoppable offense. So Carson, who do you have going forth? So this one is a little bit crazy because this requires a couple things that just <laughs> did not work with the golden state warriors. This situation requires D'Angelo Russell playing off the ball. It, it, there are serious potential defensive liabilities in the backcourt with these two, but I have the Timberwolves taking LaMelo ball because I think the upside here versus the other guy who I really considered, who was a 22 year old Obi Toppin, because I think if you're talking about building an offense, Obi could be great here just because he brings that same floor spacing and, but also has the same defensive issues. Whereas LaMelo is younger and is really just flat out more talented. Mm. He's an absurd passer. The touch, the vision, the flair, the reads he's able to make as a passer are so advanced and he sees the floor just at another level. And I love that when i I'm watching guys, if they have that understanding of the game that is elevated, that is extremely promising to me. He does still have that awesome floater and finishing. And as we mentioned, can't show that hasn't shown that he can shoot the three consistently, but 84% from the line in the defense is definitely a concern. but he's six, seven. So if he can just consistently show that he cares, he, he, he will be at least replacement level there. And then I think you have, you have Dilo playing off of them. I know that Dilo loves operating out of the pick and roll and he's great out of that, but I just think off ball as a cutter. He could still be really, really good playing off Lamello, who's such a great passer. That kind of offensive talent around a passer like Lamello could be special. The way this goes wrong is if Delo's unhappy with the ball out of his hands and these guys just don't play defense.
0: No, I like the idea. And Carson, I wanted to bring up something with you. I, I looked at a lot of mock drafts just to kind of gauge where other guys were, mm-hmm. were thinking these guys mm-hmm. were going to go. And I heard probably the most absurd idea in a long time draft wise. And I want to get your opinion on it. Okay. They said that if the Timberwolves are there at four and James Wiseman is available, that the Timberwolves should take Wiseman. And I just don't think a pairing of Towns and Wiseman would work. Well, what do you think? I don't like that. And the reason I don't like that,
1: there is a world in which that could work. And the world in which that could work is offensively, Carl Anthony Towns is basically positionless, right? Because he can space Mm -hmm. the floor out to 25 feet. If Wiseman becomes versatile enough defensively where he can guard small ball fours, then that is a world in which that can work. Because Karl-Anthony Towns, defensively, you have to park him in the paint. I mean, he's just has not shown the willingness to get out on the perimeter. He hasn't shown the mobility. Wiseman theoretically could, and if you pair a rim-running center alongside the perimeter threat that is Towns, there's a world in which it works. I wouldn't do it. I would much rather invest in LaMelo. I prefer him as a prospect. I am more invested in towns than I am D'Angelo Russell, even though that's the foundation of this organization. So I wouldn't do it. It's a little bit crazy, but there is a world in which I could see it working. So moving on to the number five pick,
0: the New York Knickerbockers. Who do you have them taking? So if Wiseman is still here in that scenario take him. The Knicks, I say, get Wiseman. Mm-hmm. But as I, as I, you know, in my crazy world... Yeah, go with your crazy world. The Wizards have Wiseman now. And with the fifth pick, the Knicks take Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. So talk a little bit about what Halliburton would do for the Knicks. So, I mean, the Knicks obviously aren't afraid to invest in this position. They've been trying to nail this on the head and they haven't yet. They they whiffed on Frank Nitalikina. They whiffed on the Dennis Smith Jr. deal. I mean, they need someone here. And I think Halliburton could be it. He shot up a lot of draft boards. He's... He's a little skinny, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just weird to say, but he's long enough and bulking up isn't going to be a problem. He's he's a good all-around point guard, and collegially-wise, you know who he reminds me of? Who? I love talking about him. He reminds Michael me of Carter Michael Carter Williams figures, a little bit. Figures. Who, but Halliburton's a much better shooter. I love Halliburton. Unfortunately, another guy that's
1: missing the rest of the season. I mean, that's just the way this draft is. It's just weird for a bunch of reasons. And I wanted to go Halliburton here because I prefer him as a prospect to James Wiseman. But I think the thing for the Knicks is in their long-term vision of this team, RJ Barrett is the primary ball handler. He is the creator and he does have some overlapping skill set with Halliburton because you're not going to play Halliburton off ball. Yes, he can shoot. I don't think he'll be quite this good of a shooter in the NBA, but he is a creator for others first and foremost. And I think that there's some overlapping skill sets there. Whereas with Wiseman, I mean, the potential for a Wiseman Barrett pick and roll could be really great. Wiseman does bring monster athleticism, which is why I think everyone, you know, everyone knows who James Wiseman is, right? I feel like coming into the season, everyone expected him to be the number one prospect. I never fell in love with him because I thought there's some deficiencies there, but seven, five wingspan just seems to grab every board. Is he smart? No. No. He doesn't have a high basketball IQ based on what I've seen. Is he defensively proven? No, he only played about five games of collegiate basketball and he wasn't all that defensively. There's definitely upside there, but there was with DeAndre Ayton too when we've seen, well, DeAndre Ayton's actually getting better defensively, but there was with Karl-Anthony Towns mm-hmm. too. Every athletic, long defensive center obviously has potential. It, it certainly helps to see it actually executed, so... Wiseman, I'm not a huge fan of. I think he makes sense for New York. He's a star name and a star market, and I think that he could be an effective pairing with R.J. Barrett.
0: Yeah, I agree. You're getting... Two very young, talented players, big name. I'd like to see Barrett. It's his first year. I'm not going to rag on him too much. He definitely needs to just get a little more efficient out there. But Wiseman is a star, and that's kind of what New York needs. Yeah. So moving on to the number six pick, the Detroit Pistons.
1: Who do you have them taking?
0: So the Pistons were a very interesting case for me, and I didn't really know where to go. I tried Obi Toppin. I, I, I couldn't really uh, justify it. So, Carson, this one might surprise you. Okay. With the six pick— the Detroit Pistons select, Nico Mannion. Talk to me about it. So m- my thought process here is <laughs> he's very similar to Luke Kennard in a lot of ways. And I think they would just enjoy a pairing of the two. Mannion is you know, a much better playmaker, in my opinion, and yeah. Kennard's really come into his own. They've shown, though, in the past with the selection of Kennard, they're not as much concerned with athleticism. Yeah. That they could take a risk on a guy who's a little agile, a little quick. And I think the pairing would work. I think Toppin would work as well. It gives you a little more flexibility down the road in case you're trying to get rid of Blake Griffin. But the pick here is Mannion. I love his ability. I know he's had his struggles this year, but I think he'll turn around the league.
1: I love Nico Mannion as a passer. He would not be one of my top four point guards in this draft and so taking him at six is a little too high for me because i think the ceiling is very clear he's not the shot maker that luke Kennard is he doesn't have the ability to create for himself off the dribble the passing is a thing of wonder but his his limitations athletically are significant and canard is a guy that's able to overcome that because he is such a dead eye shooter Mannion is a good shooter but he's not quite there i'm gonna take T- tyrese halliburton who of course you just had going last pick for the detroit pistons because i think they're basically drafting best player available i mean mm-hmm. they're investing in Kennard, they're investing in seku they have christian wood who i hope that they hold on to so also positionally halliburton makes sense and he fits that mold of big point guards that are really taking over basketball right now as i mentioned with the lebrons and the Luka donna it's big ball handlers he's got strong vision he can make passes from all angles as guys of his size that can really pass tend to do he's a smooth scorer as you mentioned shot over 42 percent from three long defensively got that seven foot wingspan averages two and a half steals a game i wish he got to the line a little bit more only shoots two free throws a game and he's not a crazy explosive athlete but all around skilled offensively can create for others and himself and could be a weapon defensively um and i think he's the best guy on the board and he can coexist with canard maybe get a little Guard on guard screen there because Halliburton at six five six six is a guy that obviously we didn't see him do this in college because he was point guard point guard point guard. Could he roll to the rim and be interesting that way? I don't know. Maybe that's just me trying to make Luke Kennard the pick and roll ball handler still somehow. But I just really like Halliburton and I think the Detroit would be wise to
0: take him. So moving on to the number seven pick, the Charlotte Hornets. Who do you have them taking? So the Hornets are kind of a hard team to gauge, and I played with uh, Daniel. Uh, Daniel Turu, I played with... uh, Who's the other one from USC? Onyeka. Yeah, I I, I toyed with both of them, but right here I've got the Hornets taking Obi Toppin. And the reason being is I am... I am so confident in Obi Toppin's success in the NBA. I think he is. I think the skill set is going to translate right over. He's a perfect modern-day And Again, defensively, Obi is not as far along as some of the other players yeah. in this draft. He's slow. He's not a good perimeter defender. He's not really a good post defender. But he can make shots and he can get to the rim. And I think Obi would benefit this team. And I get it. Positionally, it works a little strange because they do have P.J. Washington. But I think you— I think best player available-wise, I think Toppin is the guy, and I would have him come off the bench as a sixth man, give him some minutes, and let him grow. I know he's 22, but I am so confident in Toppin's skill set that I couldn't pass him up.
1: I think Obi is great, and as I mentioned, I considered him going at number 3. But he's basically PJ Washington. I mean, they are really similar. And with the year PJ Washington has had, I think they really want to hold on to him. And also, Miles Bridges is sort of a four. He can play the three, he can play the four just like Washington can play the four and the five. So I'm gonna have them take Onyeko Kongwu from USC. He he's a really talented prospect. And I think the Hornets, despite the fact that, yeah, they're near the bottom of the league, I think that they're set at the wings with Uh, or at least at the three and the four with Bridges and PJ Washington. They're committed to Rozier at the two, and Devontae Graham is great for them at point. So center is the spot of need, and with Onyeka, you get a legit post-scorer, a dynamic athlete in pick-and-roll and and rim-running situations, Shoots 74% from the line, which is promising for his jump shot long-term, three blocks per game defensively, you see the impact of that wingspan, the impact he can have on the game defensively. He's defensively versatile, and I think that he can be a legitimate rim protector, and if he can add a reliable jump shot, that is scary for the rest of the nba now i don't think he's going to get the volume of post touches he was getting at usc because college basketball and and the nba are dramatically different in that way and when you're on yeka in college you're basically your team's best option no matter what offense you're doing because he's just a skill level above other people but i think we will see him playing much less out of the post playing more pick mm-hmm. and roll running to the rim and if he can add that jump shot I think he can be great but this is really to me just a clear positional need for the hornets.
0: Yeah, the five spot is definitely one of need and Okungu like you said it perfectly. I think he can develop his jump shot and I think that's why teams are going to take the bait and bite on him. Um I have him going a little later here but I definitely don't have a problem with uh, him going this early. Okay, so moving
1: on to the number 8 pick, we have the Chicago Bulls. Who do you have them taking? I went a
0: little uh, crazy with this one, Carson. All right. The Bulls are going to take Cole Anthony. Okay. And the reason being is I just think, again, this is a mix. Now, I'm not fully sold on Cole Anthony just because of the injury concerns and the year he's had at UNC. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I think this is something that the Bulls very well could do and a move that I kind of like. It's very similar to the Darius Garland situation. You haven't seen a whole lot of them in college. But I think that – I don't think the Bulls are fully invested in Kobe White.
1: So – I I actually have the Bulls taking a point guard here as well, but I think that they have to take a specific kind of point guard because Kobe White does not pass the ball. Mm -hmm. Cole Anthony also does not pass the ball. I have them taking Theo Maladon, yeah. who I love. He's six, five. He's shifty. He's great at creating space. He's a good change of pace guy, which is an awesome underrated skill in the NBA. Maybe it's not underrated, but you look at guys like Harden and Doncic. That's how you compensate for a lack of raw athleticism. Even Shea Gilder's Alexander. He's a good shooter. He's got nice touch on floaters and free throws. And there's defensive potential there because of his athleticism and the fact that he's six, five. And he's my favorite of the next bunch of point guard prospects, because I really like Killian Hayes and I really like Nico Mannion. I think Maladon is just slightly better as a scorer, and also that defensive upside that's why he's my favorite but i agree with your idea kobe white even if they do intend to hold on to him he's not a point guard long term mm-hmm. he's not a primary ball handler and he does not play make for others he is a pure scorer and shooter so you want to put a real point guard alongside him i would just want to put a playmaking first defensively capable guy over cole anthony who is going to be all shooting no defense i do think this gives not, not no defense he competes defensively but no passing
0: I think this gives Chicago a little bit of flexibility, though, moving down the road in case uh, Zach Levine gets disgruntled with being there, which I think is a very real possibility with the season that we've seen from Chicago and him not making the All-Star game. I think it gives them just a little bit of flexibility to potentially move Zach Levine later down the road as well.
1: Yeah, I think that – Cole Anthony will definitely be an appealing asset to some NBA teams. Mm -hmm. I have him going, I would think, probably a lot lower than you expect. And this is because of what I talked about earlier. How many teams need that number one scoring guard? It's not that many teams. Teams want complementary pieces, especially out of a draft like this, where the bust possibility might be higher than than the boom. And it's funny. I have Maladon going a lot later. Interesting. Okay, so looking at number nine, we have the Washington Wizards. Who Do you have them taking? So the aforementioned trade went through.
0: Yes. The, the, the Wizards took it. And everyone was thrilled. Uh, not in Washington, but. Wait, so did the Wizards give up their. their no, no, no. Fr- okay, They're still good. holding on to it. Okay, good. Because so, I was going to say, boy, <laughs> oh, they, got they, got, they got the short end of the stick on that one. So they have now. they have Wiseman, they have Culver at the two spot. The pick that I have the Wizards going with here at nine, and, and I considered Isaac Okoro, and I've got him going very soon. Mm-hmm. This is a pick that might surprise you. Okay. I'm taking Jaden McDaniels. Okay, and I, I don't I, I don't hate it, and I know this is an interesting because McDaniel's stock is it's been a little yeah it's it's plummeted it's been up and down yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. to say the least because yeah. it it was up and since then it's been down yeah McDaniel's is too fast I think and too agile on the defensive end to pass him up. I think he's so raw. Now, the comparison that I hate for J- Jaden McDaniels is Jonathan Isaac because it's it's terrible. It, John Isaac was a much better defender coming out of the draft, in my opinion, than McDaniels. And less skilled offensively. Yeah. I think Jaden McDaniels has significantly more offensive skill. He looks like what Jonathan Isaac looks like now sometimes yeah. offensively. Now, he's going to run the four in the NBA, correct? I would think so. I think for McDaniels, he obviously has to put on some weight because he's only he's 6'10", 185. Again, yeah, he's, he's a stick. I just brought him up. He's the same size as Michael Carter-Williams, and that's <laughs> – Carter-Williams is a point guard. Anyway, back back off of MC Dub. Uh, uh, McDaniels is having a shaky year, so, so to speak. But mm-hmm. again, I like the defensive upside, and as we've seen with a guy like John Isaac – The offense will come if you work with him long enough. Right now, maybe McDaniels at this nine spot's a little bit of a stretch, but I think for what I've seen happen and what I've made happen with the Wizards going down in this draft, McDaniels fits what they want moving forward.
1: I like it. I like the fact that he's a guy that could be a primary score going forward. He's fluid. He can create for himself off the dribble at his size, which is, you know, a valuable commodity. Obviously, I do like McDaniels. And the issue is, of course, the production. I mean, he doesn't start for a terrible Washington Mm. team, which is significant. I still have him going in the lottery, though, because I do really like him at nine. I have the Wizards taking Killian Hayes because I don't have Bradley Beal getting traded in, in my vision of the world. Yours is a little bit more exciting, but Hayes is a guy, he's a, he's a French fellow, as is Theo Maladon, so I have a couple of French point guards going. He's got great passing and vision at 6'5", really good out of the pick and roll, can, can make passes from all angles. He's got a good handle. He's really crafty. He doesn't have the prettiest jumper, but he has good touch. And I'll be interested in seeing how good of a shooter he is in the pros. I think he'll be at least respectable. And he's just 18, got some defensive potential at his size. And I think that he's a guy that can set up Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, yes, he can work with the ball in his hands, but he's also an absolute weapon off the ball. And the Wizards are gearing this team to score a lot of points and to play with space and to play with pace. And I think that Hayes is a guy that compliments Beal long-term doesn't have superstar potential, but I think could be a good starting point guard in the league for a long time. And I just like him overall.
0: Yeah. Admittedly, I have not watched a whole lot of Killian Hayes play, but you'd re- like him. You'd like him reading up on reports. He seems like a solid fella at the point guard spot. No, I I really do like him.
1: And I think that as we've seen, this draft is saturated with with guards for the most part. All right. Moving on to number 10, your Sacramento Kings, your playoff Sacramento Kings. Who do you have him taken?
0: So with the 10th pick, the Sacramento Kings fire Luke Walton.
1: I like that. Is that pick. good?
0: I like that. Okay. Uh, with the 10th pick, I mean, the Kings really need uh, two positions. And that's, well, actually, anywhere in the in, in the front court, really. Um, with the 10th pick, I have the Kings taking uh, on Yeka Ongkungwu. Okay. And it was between him and Okuru. And I think, man, these names are just tough, man. Yeah. I think Okuru could fit, but I'm going with Are the, you saying you're going between Okuru and Okuru? Okuru is who I'm saying. Okay. They could have gone. I thought you were saying Okuru. You, I'm struggling, I'm struggling Freudian, Yeah, um, <laughs> Okumu's putting up 16.5, uh, 16 9 rebounds, 3 blocks I le- he, He's a modern day 5, and again, I think he can develop a jump shot I think he'll play well with uh, De'Aaron Fox in the pick and roll He's a great rim runner, and I just like the fit Sacramento's needed a 5 since they lost to Marcus uh, a couple of years ago And I think that his ceiling's high enough to the point that it's worth taking a risk at, uh, It's not really a risk, but it's even when you have Rashawn Holmes on the roster, it's worth taking another five. That's interesting because
1: I don't know if I necessarily agree because I really like Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that they're sort of set at the four and the five. And also you have Bielitza there as a four. That being said, I have them taking a four because the Kings are one of these teams where you look at it. And this is an interesting thing. There's so many teams in the league right now where you look and it's like, Oh, they have a talented player there, or they have a player that they've invested in where you don't want to draft a replacement for them at so many positions. And the Kings, even though they're not good, are a team like that. They have a bunch of players where you look and think, I don't want to replace that guy. I don't want to replace Bogdanovich or Bielitza or Bagley or Holmes, obviously not Fox or Heald. So are you drafting for backups? Maybe. I have them taking Obi Toppin because, you know, I've, I mentioned Obi Toppin as high as three. I still didn't have him going and the Kings don't have a glaring need. So I'd like them to take the best player available. Toppin's career splits shooting 65 from the field, 40 from three, 71 from the line. Great shooter can score out of the post really a dynamic athlete. Sometimes uh, it seems to show a lot more offensively than defensively because he can leap, but he's not that quick defensively. He's not a great rebounder, but really offensively versatile. And he's a weapon here. I revised my picks a little bit. I didn't initially have the Kings taking Obi Toppin, but I think what they, the value they can get from a guy that can just shoot the ball like him offensively is tremendous. Even though they already have it in Bielitsa, is Bealitsa their long-term guy? Probably not. So I'd take Obi
0: Toppin. Yeah, I mean, Toppin here, I think, would work. Again, he's just, I love Obi Toppin. He's hard not to love. He's super productive on a great team, Mm -hmm. and he does things that
1: project well to the NBA. Mm -hmm. So I like him as well. Let's get out of the top 10 here and move on to our adopted hometown of Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns picking at 11. Who do you have them taking?
0: So I was going between Tyrese Maxey here and uh, Isaac Okoro, um, and I'm going with uh, Okoro because I think that the Suns don't, they're kind of one of those teams. And they don't need a five because they have Aiden. They don't need a two. They have Booker. They're they're one of those teams where they've invested a lot. And if there's a really talented four here, go ahead and take him. But at this point, there's not. So I'm getting a guy that can add to my bench depth. And Okoro can have a, he can have a a role immediately. He's that good defensively now. And it's a little weird because, again, they're not drafting a starter. You have Kelly Oubre there and I think the Suns are invested in Oubre in the future. Absolutely. Although they were weirdly, apparently,
1: listening to phone calls about him at the trade deadline. Really? Which I didn't understand. Uh, I don't get that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think Okoro can have a role right off the bench. He can play good defense. And again, you need these three and D guys everywhere.
1: Yeah. As I mentioned, I like Okoro. Obviously, I have him going third overall. You just hope that he develops the three because he has the D to the max. He needs the three. And Mikal Bridges is a guy they hope can fill that role. And I think he's good. But I like this pick for them. I have them taking Nico Mannion, obviously the hometown kid and Aiden and Mannion. Yeah, I think that it's realistic. He's the ultimate hometown kid from Phoenix playing in Tucson. And we talked about his skill set already. He's a good shooter, only shooting 32% on threes this year, but 84% from the line. The production has fallen off a bit, especially getting to the rim and the lack of uh, athletic dynamism has really shown through, but good touch. He's a creative passer, excellent vision, and he really makes the right read the vast majority of the time. I think that he will be a, without a doubt, a smart NBA point guard that can set up others he just can't really create for himself. But if you put him alongside Devin Booker in that Ricky Rubio role long-term, I think he could be really good there because the lack of shot creation doesn't kill him because he's playing along such a dynamic scoring guard. He's not going to start right away. That's fine. But he will take that Ricky Rubio role going forward when Rubio's contract expires in a couple years. And, you know, I mean, it's either him or Ty Jerome. I mean, obviously they want a pass first point guard to play alongside um, Devin Booker, and I'm going to put my faith in the hometown kid, Nico Mannion. So, how many minutes do you think he gets tonight his rookie year? 15. That's the thing with this draft. I mean, even the guys that are getting picked high, they're not like must play mm-hmm. studs, except for probably Anthony Edwards. Like, outside of him, I don't know if there's anyone that's guaranteed to start regularly. So, do you think this is the weakest draft we've seen in a while? <sighs> it's a weak draft. I didn't like last year's draft, but I think that the Zion and John. We've had some gems with guys like PJ Washington and Tyler hero. So that draft is okay. At least it's the weakest draft I can remember in a while. And if you look back to maybe 2013 was highly criticized, But that draft was bottom, like a lot of deep guys, Mm -hmm. Gobert and Giannis and CJ McCollum, 2016 was highly criticized, but now you look at 2016 and it's pretty good. I mean, you have, you know, you still have Dragan Bender and Marquise Chris busting, but in Chris Dunn, but you have (laughs) B.I., Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, Buddy Heal, Jamal Murray. Mm -hmm. So I think it's one of the weaker drafts, but of course we won't really know until these guys actually play NBA basketball. Okay, moving on to 12. This is an interesting spot. I went rogue here. I will be (laughs) honest. I went Crazy. Who do you have the New Orleans Pelicans taking?
0: Yeah, yeah, the Pelicans are in a weird spot. Again, young guys invested. And I think they're going to give Jackson Hayes just a little longer out there. So Daniel Oturu was in definitely you know, heavy consideration from me. But I haven't taken Tyrese Maxey. And mostly just because I think Maxey can fit almost anywhere. And I know this team is heavy at the guard spot. But you add in another one, that can play defense. You let Maxey grow behind and learn behind these guys that have already played ahead. And it's funny because Maxey is such a tweener. You know, a, he's not really a one. He's not really a two. I think he's a two in the NBA. Yeah. That's what I think. But he's far enough along defensively that any team, I think, at this point, late lotto and out of the lotto, would be happy to have a guy that has these defensive tools straight into the league.
1: Oh, well, and Maxi is a bucket. I mean, he's a bucket getter. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice floater game, nice touch around the rim, quick twitch athleticism. The shooting has been inconsistent. I like that pick. My thing was just... They have their primary scorers in in BI and Zion, but it doesn't hurt
0: to take more scores. Well, And another point here is I think he's a decent ball handler. He's not a dominant ball handler, but if he can grow his tools there, Mm -hmm. it gives you a little bit of flexibility moving forward with Lonzo and Drew Holiday. Mm -hmm. If a trade comes in and someone wants Drew Holiday or someone wants Lonzo, if Tyrese develops, you can say, hey, yeah, let's move him. He also
1: has serious potential as a sixth man fill it up kind of mm-hmm. guy, which I think normally isn't what you're drafting for in the lottery. But going forward, I mean he's got some tunnel vision. He's got issues definitely with his playmaking, but he can score the ball. And if that shooting's more consistent and he looks like a good shooter, um, that's a promising talent. I'm going to go off the map here, Logan. I'm taking Jalen Smith. If I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, I'm taking Jalen Smith, the sophomore out of Maryland. This is a guy that I talked about. I said he was my pick to shoot up draft boards. And the day after I said that, ESPN moved him up 20 spots on their big board. So don't tell me we don't have listeners here at NerdSesh. Everybody's listening in. Smith is averaging 15.5, 10.5, 2.3 blocks per game on 54, 38, 75.5 splits and he's playing better in conference play. He's an explosive finisher. He's really a legitimate shooter and he doesn't do much scoring besides that three and in that finishing position, but he doesn't have to because you don't want a guy alongside Zion and BI soaking up a bunch of shots from mid-range and out of the high post. He's a willing screener. He moves without the ball. He's going to be great defensively and I think that he's a guy that enables Zion to play at the 5 offensively because he's a floor spacer who should be super versatile defensively. Like he can easily guard 5s, I think he can guard 3s defensively in the NBA cuz he's 6'10", got a 7'2" wingspan, he's a shot blocker, he's long, he's quick. I'm all in. I don't care what the reports say. I don't care that he's, you know, not even a projected first-rounder in a bunch of spots. This is what I would do. And I see a talent that is complementary to Zion Williamson, and I want to take that talent. So I like him a lot more as a fit alongside Zion than Jackson Hayes, because it's tough to play Zion and Hayes together because then you have spacing issues. Jalen Smith is willing to shoot threes, roll to the rim, play defense. That's what I want. And I think he's the best
0: example of that at the four spot of anyone left in this draft. So I have a question for you, Carson. Yes. You're the general manager of the Pelicans, OK? Yes. And you have the 12th pick. Yes. Do you take Jalen Smith there or would you trade back with the hopes that you can get more assets?
1: That's a fair question. I thought about that and then I just decided I'm taking Jalen Smith because for me to work out a trade, like I just don't see draft picks in this draft being all that desirable, especially in like the 12 range where people are going to shoot up the board to take their guy at 12. So I'm like, just take your guy. You know, it's like what the Suns did with Cam Johnson. They took their guy at 11. That's fine. I don't dislike that. Let's move on to a team that, wow, it is crazy to see them drafting in the lottery. The San Antonio Spurs are drafting
0: 13th right now. Who would you have them taking? So, I mean, we've seen the mold that the Spurs have drafted in the past. They get a defensive guard. Mm-hmm. With this pick, I have them going a little differently because it's not a position of need anymore. Yeah. And I would have considered Maxi just because, again, I, I like him and it's kind of what the Spurs like taking here. Yeah. But I have the Spurs going with Daniel Oturu because I think – Defensively, they need help. Mm -hmm. And Oturu's averaging near three blocks a game. Even if that's his game, it helps. And I think Oturu is a little further along than maybe a Vernon Carey Jr. immediately and can help. I'm doing this mainly because these are the waning years of Greg Popovich. And... He needs guys who can play now while Popovich is there. I'm hoping that this isn't the end for him. I'm hoping we can see him grow alongside these guys that he's drafted. But Oturu's the pick here because I think the Spurs need defense, and Oturu helps. I like Oturu. I mean, he's fluid. I think he is
1: probably underrated in a lot of draft conversations. I think he's at like 38 on ESPN's big board. I would definitely have him higher than that. Uh, And he can play both ends. So I do like Oturu. I have the Spurs taking a swing here. I have them taking Jaden McDaniels because... The Spurs are pretty set at the guard positions when it comes to young guards. I mean, you're talking about DeJounte Murray and Bryn Forbes and Derek White. And I don't think that they're gonna be looking to bolster that position anymore. And that's what this draft has for the most part. But when you're talking about Jaden McDaniels, yes, unproven, doesn't start. Didn't hit a field goal against ASU, but he's smooth, he's fluid, <laughs> <laughs> he's got great scoring touch, he can handle it 6'10. He's definitely not a tough guy. I mean, he shies, shies away from contact offensively. He can't protect the rim really defensively, but I think he is potentially a versatile four who can score for them. His best upside, I think, is an actual number one option in the NBA, which you can't say about that many forwards in this draft, because there aren't that many decent forwards in this draft. I mean, even Isaac Okora going number three, his upside isn't a number one option in the NBA. So Jaden McDaniels, if anyone can develop players at the Spurs, if Pop leaves after a year, that might not be the case anymore. But take the big
0: swing. Oh, that's funny, Carson. I didn't even mention Lonnie Walker also for the Spurs guards. Mm. Oh, it's just funny how you criticized, he may have not done this, he may have not done this, but you know what? I like him. <laughs> and this is the classic NBA draft thing. You fall in love with a guy that hasn't
1: actually produced and looks good. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So, I'm I'm putting my faith though in a draft that is this week on a team that needs a number one scorer. Take the upside pick when you have that player development too. Let's move on to the last pick of the lottery. The Portland Trailblazers. Who do you do have them taking at 14.
0: I have gone rogue, Carson. I like it. Go rogue with the 14th pick. The Portland Trailblazers select Vernon Carey Jr. We had to. Okay. Carson and I talked about how we, we thought guys were going to shoot up our draft boards, yeah. and for good reason. Now, the, the big reason here is I expect them, they've got to let Whiteside leave. You are you don't know the timetable for Yusuf Nurkic. I think it'd be a decent fit. And again, this guy, I think, has some, some pretty good upside. I think he can develop a jumper in the league, and that's pretty much the only reason I would take Vernon Carey here. So I will be honest, I am very
1: out on Vernon Carey. He projects to me as a college basketball player to the max, not an NBA
0: player. My biggest criticism on Vernon Carey. Yes. If you watch a Duke game, he disappears during offensive possessions, during defensive possessions. I mean... Oh, this is good. (laughs) This sounds like a lottery pick. Well, it sounds like Cam Reddish, actually. (laughs) Nice. I like that. Thanks. I'm just saying, at some points during games, Vernon Carey is a non-factor at some points, but I think... I'm hopeful that he can produce. And you know what my dad said to me the other day, actually, Carson? What did old Jimmy say to you? He said, I think I'm out on Duke players. And he didn't mean that in general because obviously a guy like Jason Tatum will show up. And my dad loved Jason Tatum. Yeah. He means from the perspective of Cam Reddish. Yeah. Harry Giles. Yeah. And Vernon Carey very well could be added to that list. I don't know if that's fair to Harry
1: Giles. I mean, he was... I still like his talent, weirdly enough. Call me crazy because he hasn't done anything in the league. But yeah, I mean, Carrie's a back-to-the-basket guy. Does he have some potential as a pick and roll finisher? Yes, but he can be a black hole in the low post. You mentioned there's some shooting upside because he's six of fourteen from three, but he's 64% from the line. He's good on the boards. He's got a negative assist to turnover ratio, which I never like, and it's significantly negative. And he just has a seven-foot wingspan, which for a guy that is going to be a center in the NBA, I do not like when you're looking at the defensive end. So I'm going to take a guy if I'm the Portland Trailblazers that I will be honest, I'm I'm very much unsure of, and this is a very per- team uh, specific pick that I would not make if if it were a bunch of other teams. So I'm going to have them taking Precious Achua out of Memphis. This is a guy that can fill their need defensively at the four, which is a glaring need where you know they had Azonia and Tolliver starting early in the year, then they picked up Carmelo Anthony who can score but can't play defense. Achua brings you hustle, he brings you finishing, he has athleticism, defensive versatility, he can handle and create for himself off the bounce a bit, and he's got some pretty nice touch, decent shooter at 33% from three, only 57% from the line, so he's probably not going to be knocked down, but there's some potential there, he gets the line a bunch and he can use his physicality, sometimes... And this is common, especially with modern college guys that, you know, can handle the ball a little bit because they're big. He thinks he's a point guard a little bit too much. He's not a guy you want initiating your offense. He can take people off the bounce. but And that shows with the 2.9 turnovers to 0.8 assists per game that he has. I was just talking about how I dislike the negative assistive turnover. That's about as bad as it gets, but he feels a need. And if he can solidify his shot, he could be a really nice piece for them. And I look around. I don't want them to take a three because when Rodney Hood gets back, he's actually a guy that I like for them. Obviously, they're set at the guard spot and with Yusuf. Nurkic at center, they are set. So this is the need for them. And even though I don't love Precious, I'm going to take them.
0: No, I love my ball handlers with, you know, negative assist to turnover ratios. Yeah. I don't. I've I'll... heard I've heard it works out. Actually, I've heard it works out pretty well too. Um let's move on outside the lottery,
1: Logan. We're making we're making our way along. Fifteenth overall, the Orlando Magic. Who do you have them taking?
0: Yeah, we're gonna speed this up a little more just because most of these guys We haven't seen some of them play, but... uh, Oh, well, speak for yourself. I'm talking about some of these overseas guys I've got going. Oh, I've seen them. I I found the overseas tape. I've got a couple overseas guys I actually really like. Denny Avidia. No, beyond that. Beyond that. <laughs> uh, the next guy I got going to the Magic is Killian Hayes. And the reason here, it's pretty obvious. You you don't know if Markel Fultz is going to pan out yet. Um, you're still out. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Um, I've seen Stranger Things, but they need shot makers and when playmakers. When did you watch Stranger Things? Uh, Have couple, you seen season three? A couple days ago. Nice. Uh, I heard they're coming out with the fourth one. Nice. Um, I mean, Hayes is shooting 45 from the field, 39 from deep, and 90% from the line. It proves he can spot up and a little bit off the dribble. I like Hayes as a playmaker, and like I said... If Fultz doesn't pan out, you have another guy. So
1: I sort of followed that same ideology to a certain extent in that I've been talking about how I didn't see the teams that have the need for the primary ball dominant scoring guard. I think actually the Magic are a team that does have that need. So I have them taking Tyrese Maxey, who, as I mentioned, he's quick, he's got that change of pace, he's a smooth athlete, and if he can really solidify that shot, he could be a nice NBA scorer. And I think not only does he you know is a potential replacement for Fultz I think he can play alongside Fultz um because I think that he is a natural too and so I think that Fultz is he's shown that he can play make he can get to the rim he just really can't shoot threes yet Max I think is potential as as a number one option which is rare at this point in the draft and is something Orlando actually needs because they have the wings they have they have the playmakers they just need a guy that can really score the ball mm-hmm. so Let's move on, Logan, to number 16. The Minnesota Timberwolves have this pick via the Brooklyn Nets. Who do you have them taking?
0: So if the Timberwolves can hold on to this pick in my fake world, because I can very well see it being packaged along to get Beal, if they hold on to it in my scenario, they need defense. Because you have D'Lo, you'll have Beal, you have Towns. Mm. And I think Achiwa fits that perfectly. Yeah, Um, He's good in the post. He's good defending on the perimeter. You're not going to need him to score points for you. If he can provide you solid defense, either starting or off the bench, most likely off the bench, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great, and that's all the Timberwolves need. I think that that makes sense. And
1: my first inclination for the Timberwolves was obviously to get a three and D wing. I ended up taking someone that could potentially fit that mold, but is really a three wing, and that is Aaron Niesmith, the mm. sophomore out of Vanderbilt, who is. Just an insane shooter. I mean, before he went down for the season, he was 60 of 115 from three. That's 52%. He's a good cutter. He's athletic. And he's just an all-around off-ball weapon. And if I'm looking at an offense now with LaMelo Ball, D'Angelo Russell, and Karl-Anthony Towns, I want a guy that can score in a split second. A guy that doesn't need to, to take up ball handling duties and to take the ball out of my playmaker's hands and can still be effective. And I think Smith is that guy, and there's solid enough wing defense. Who is going to outscore this team? Um teams that can play defense. So it's, you know, 131, Gotcha. because they will get outscored because they will lose. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of potential there. Neesmith, I think is a guy that will shoot up because a, he's not going to play a full season, which means people can't poke as many holes and you fall in mm-hmm. love with the guy that you don't see mess up and b in a draft like this, a guy that can just shoot the ball like that flat out. That's a valuable commodity. Yeah. Let's move on to the 17th pick, which the Celtics have via the Memphis Grizzlies. Who do you have them taking here?
0: Um, so, I mean, the Celtics up to this point have made a, a habit of just selecting uh, best best talent available. Mm-hmm. And I think the best talent available here is R.J. Hampton. Um, wow. This is the first time we've agreed on a pick, and I have basically the same explanation. Best talent available. Uh, I mean, last year they took Romeo Langford, similar skill set. I loved Langford coming out, and I love R.J. Hampton. I think that if they can develop this kid, that it'll work out well for the Celtics. It's worked out for them in the past. I mean, Hampton is a talented guy and he is definitely more talented than the 17th player in this draft. Hampton, I watched a lot of in high school mm-hmm. and I mean, I fell in love with him. He probably at the start of the collegiate year, I would have told you he'd go top five. I don't think it's a concern that he's projected at this spot. I still think he's as talented a player as I saw back then.
1: And he's, he definitely does something really well. He's great athletically. He's a good finisher. He's a weapon in transition because he's quick and he's big he's a good playmaker and he's a guy that can really draw in and collapse the defense and then can make plays out of that confined shooters he's not a reliable shooter yet though but i think that if you put shooters and scoring wings around him and if he can tap into his size and athleticism on defense he could be really good and obviously in boston to get minutes you have to play defense so there's definitely some intrigue there and with the celtics their only need that you could really argue a center even though daniel tice has been good there in combination with Dennis Cantor. And there's no center, uh, to me, that's worth taking here. So we agree, which is kind of crazy. It hadn't happened until 17. But let's move on to 18, where the Milwaukee
0: Bucks are picking via the Indiana Pacers. Who do you have them taking? So I finally have Theo Maladon going uh, here. And it's very similar to what you said. Not a lot of these teams need a guard. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bucks just can use another depth guy. And George Hill has been (laughs) one of the best three-point shooters in the league this season. Uh, Eric Bledsoe is still... He's all right. He's okay.
1: No, nah, he's having a great year. He's pretty good. He can't... I'm not going to trust his outside shot, but he's had a great year in every other way.
0: Um, and I think that Maladon would just would just fit well that he can grow underneath Hill and Bledsoe for the time being, and when they feel it's time to cut one of them loose, you have a guy that just fits right back in the system.
1: I like that. Um, obviously, I believe in Maladon a lot more, so I d- wouldn't have him on the board here, but... I initially had the Bucks taking Devin Vassell here, who I like out of okay. Florida State as a sophomore. But then I thought, because, you know, that's what Milwaukee Bucks role players look like. They get three and D wings. They get Sterling Browns and Dante DiVincenzo's. But then I thought, what's the upside of another guy like that? So, no, I have them taking a flyer on Cole Anthony, because if there's one thing this team needs and now this is. This is some serious betting on Cole Anthony, but again, does it really matter if the Bucks squander a late first round pick in a weak draft? Not really. Carson, you
0: realize we flipped exactly on Maladon and Anthony. Oh, that is... I had Anthony to the Bulls. You had Maladon to the Bulls, That's right? That's hilarious. That's yeah, insane. That is very funny. <laughs> um,
1: but so the thing with Anthony is, or the thing with the Bucks is is Chris Middleton your closer? And with the way he's playing right now, that's okay. It's not ideal for a championship team. And in the best case scenario, Cole Anthony could be a legitimate closer because he's an aggressive scorer. He's a shot maker. He's a good athlete. He creates space for himself. He's competitive on defense and he doesn't care for passing too much. As I mentioned, he has a negative assist to turnover ratio and the shot selection shows that too because he's shooting 35% from the field and 31.6% from three. So yes, he has not produced and he has a lot of flaws, but Best case scenario, if they could pair Giannis with an elite shot making guard as a closer, which he could be best Mm -hmm. case scenario, that makes them all that much better because now they have their number one closer. Is it likely that that'll happen in my opinion? No, if it were Cole Anthony would be going top five, but I see more upside in that than them taking another solid rotation player that fills similar needs to what they already have.
0: I'm not going to like Carson. That was a, that's a really good pitch. Thank you. That's that's a tremendous pitch on Cole Anthony to the Bucks. Thank you very much. Moving on to 19, the Dallas Mavericks. Who do you have them taking? So you mentioned Devin Vassell, and I, I considered him for this pick, but the guy I'm going with here is Sadiq Bay, and okay. it may be a little early for him, but for the Mavericks system, I think you want to go best three point shooter available, and Bay fits that bill. Mm-hmm. I mean he's he's knocked down, and. The best thing that you can do for Luka Dacic and Christos Porzingis is put as many three-point shooters around them as possible. He shoots over five threes a game, and he shoots 46% from deep. If that translates, maybe it takes a minute or two, right? Obviously, there's a bit of a transition. It shouldn't be as heavy because we've seen these EuroLeague guys come in and shoot better. With them moving the three-point line back, the transition should be a little easier. I'm sold on Sadiq Bey, and I think he would fit well in this Dallas Mavericks system.
1: You made the right case for Bay in that they just want to put shooters around him, and Sadiq Bay can definitely shoot the ball. I'm just going to have them take Devin Vassell here because he is a guy that can shoot the ball almost at Bay's level and is definitely, to me, I like him more defensively. Gets to his spots. He's a solid athlete. He's got really good touch on his jumper, 42% from three and 74% from the line. He's long and versatile on defense, and he fits the mold of guys they need because he's three and D. And if you look at the spot he's going to take right now, I mean, Justin Jackson is playing 16 minutes a game right now for this team. Mm-hmm. I think Vassell could take those minutes right away. And Sadiq Bay potentially could, too. I just like Vassell more because of what he brings mm-hmm. defensively. Um,
0: let's move on to the 20th pick, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who do you have them taking? So the Thunder are a strange team to draft for. Mm-hmm. And I can very well see them moving this pick for a future one yeah. and just keep getting picks. Um, I have them taking Isaiah Stewart here. and. The reason being is it's a theme that you've seen so far with me at general manager. It gives them flexibility here in the future. Uh, you lose Nerlens Noel, you get a bench big man right back with Isaiah Stewart if you want to give him minutes, which he probably won't off the bat. Um, but it also gives you flexibility for the future if he gets better and improves. You can finally get off Steven Adams. Uh, I just think it works in too many ways to not. He fits the mold of a modern five. He can rebound. He can block shots. Uh, Isaiah Stewart to the Thunder here at 20. I don't love Isaiah
1: Stewart, but I think that at this value, that's a fine pick. I my first thought with the Thunder when I was drafting for them is, oh, three and D wing three and D wing, because that's what that's the the positional need they've always been trying to fill since Tabo Cephalosha and Andre Robertson. It's been three and D wings that they want. Obviously, Robertson couldn't shoot. Cephalosha couldn't shoot for most of his time. And that was the problem is they didn't have the three. And that's what they've tried to fill with Terrence Ferguson and Darius Baisley. And they could do that same thing with someone like a Josh Green this year, who, by the way, is not that consistent of a shooter. And so because there wasn't a great 3 and D candidate here, I said, what if they took someone with proven offensive skill, especially with the likely possibility that Danilo Gallinari leaves this offseason?" So I have them taking Landro Balmaro, who is really an exciting international prospect, has moments of genius playmaking at 6'7". He's been inconsistent as a shooter, but his stroke looks good. I should clarify, he plays for FC Barcelona, but he plays for their B-League team. So that is the question. Has he been productive enough? But good touch, legitimate facilitator at six, seven. And I think that he's intriguing enough. He brings enough offensively that that's who I would take for them instead of taking yet another swing at a guy that probably can't shoot. Um, because that's what we've seen with Bazley and Ferguson, they're subpar shooters. So they get minutes out there and they sort of mess with the spacing. I want to take the guy that can playmaking is exciting offensively.
0: Will he still be signed to a EuroLeague contract if he gets drafted? Like, will he still have time to serve on his uh, EuroLeague squad, or will he be immediate? That's a good question. All I know is he's draft eligible. So, if he takes a couple years over still in Spain, that's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, he's still only 19, so it's an interesting pick. Um, I don't have him going in the first round, but props to you for making the case. Well, thank you. I like him. So, who do you have? Uh, Um, 21. To the Brooklyn Nets, which is a pick via the Philadelphia 76. Uh, so you just had him go from Florida State. Uh, Devin Vassell, I have mm-hmm. him going here. Uh, Joe Harris's contract is up, as is Spencer Dinwiddie's. I expect him to bring back Dinwiddie. So for the Nets, uh, you just have to replace Joe Harris. Joe Harris is probably going to get a decent sized contract He'll offer from some team that wants a three point shooter, Dallas. Um, but Actually that would that would be pretty fun. Th- that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, Vassal steps in and he'll be able to give you some three and D immediately right off the bat. Obviously he won't be as dominant Joe as Joe shooting because it, it took Joe a while in the league to get to his stroke down. And Joe's a special shooter. Yeah. I'm we're all on first name basis with Joe Harris. UVA. Shout out Joe Harris. Yeah. Um Vassal will take a minute to get ready, but like you said, he brings some great uh defensive tools to the table as well as a decent three point shot.
1: Okay. um, I like that pick in your theoretical scenario. My theoretical addresses with the possibility that the Nets let Spencer Dinwiddie go because Dinwiddie is going to be commanding a lot of money on the open market. And I think it's pretty clear that he does not enjoy playing with Kyrie Irving and he might want to go somewhere else where he can be more of the guy. So I have them taking Ashton Hagens, the sophomore point guard out Mm. of Kentucky. This is a guy who has NBA quickness and change of pace. He's got soft passing touch. He's very unselfish and he enjoys passing the ball. It seems he's a good finisher. He gets the line. Quick hands on defense, gives effort, and really cares. And I think he'll be able to shoot in the NBA because he's shooting 81% on free throw, 27 of 100 in his career from three, which isn't great, but he's my favorite guy left, and there isn't a glaring positional need for the Nets. And if Dinwiddie leaves, then there comes a need as far as a creator off the bench. I think Hagen's is a guy that I like, And for the Nets, I would just take him. I think he's probably the best player available at this point to me.
0: I actually don't have Hagen's going either in the Mm -hmm. first round, although I do like his talent, and I have him considered for uh, a few teams down the road here. But uh, yeah, no, I really like Hagen's skill set. Okay, so let's move on
1: to 22, where the Denver Nuggets are... Going to be using what was the Houston Rockets picks? So who do you ha- pick? Who do you have them taking?
0: So the Nuggets love wing depth. I have them adding another one here. Aaron Nismith is the pick here, and I just figure you can't go wrong getting another shooter adding added to the squad. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nismith, as you said, fifty two point two percent shooting from deep, and again, you can't poke holes in this game if he's not out there. The Nuggets, we saw them take a flyer on Michael Porter Jr. They don't have a problem doing it again, and. What's the harm? I mean, the Nuggets really don't need this pick to hit. So yeah. go ahead, see what he turns into.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is no real need for this Nuggets team. And I sort of agreed with your mentality for the most part. There's nothing wrong with more versatile bigs and wings. I thought about them taking Daniel Oturu with Plumlee's contract expiring, but I really think that they'll bring back Plumlee. So I have Patrick Williams, also out of Florida State, going. He's 18 and still August. Carson, he's younger than both of us. Uh, Which is insane because we are young for our grade. He was (laughs) born. We are. We are. He was born a day after me. Which is crazy because he is a man's build. I mean, he's a powerful athlete at 6'8". He can shoot. He's got solid passing instincts, defensive versatility, and some rim protection potential. He's smart. He's alert. He's a good cutter. He's got a good second jump. The upside is definitely limited. He can't create a shot for himself for the most part. But I think there are things he can do on both sides of the ball for you.
0: Yeah. I like Williams upside and this would be a uh, awesome pickup for Denver. Um, I can see it working out, especially if he hits like Michael Porter Jr. um, I don't think he has that upside. Really? Genuine. I think
1: Patrick Williams has a lot of upside. I don't think he can ever really be a dynamic shot creator, which is obviously what MPJ's most intriguing skill set was at 6'10", being able to handle and shoot off the dribble like that. Williams I see as more of a He's not going to be a plug and play guy next year, but I see his role being as sort of not a three and D guy, but sort of a three and D guy actually. Okay. So moving on to the twenty third pick, the Miami Heat. Who do you have them taking?
0: So my train of thought here is they have to take a point guard. Gorontrojic okay. is becoming a free agent. You need. You don't think they bring him back? I think they they might, but it's just better if you bring in a point guard just in case. He's been he's been so good for them and I'm going to be interested in seeing,
1: I mean obviously he's on the wrong side of 30, so we will see how much money he commands on the open market. Yeah.
0: Um so if Drogic leaves, I say you get a point guard here and uh there's Dotson from Kansas, there's uh Winston which you know, we, we would ruin making a champion if I made uh That's true. Winston a first That's round true. pick. And I also uh thought about Hagen's here, but I am I went a little off the walls with this one. Okay. We're going Trey Jones, and I am not in love with Trey Jones mm-hmm. by by any means, but I think he brings a lot to the table in just his playmaking, Okay, and I'm thinking with what the Heat do, the Heat need just a guy to move the rock, mm-hmm. that you need to get him to the 3 and D guys, you need to run the pick and roll, and I think Trey Jones does that well enough, not my favorite pick, but of the point guards available is between Hagen's and Trey Jones, and I think for what the Heat want to do, I think Jones brings just a little more to the table.
1: It's interesting. I'm just not a Trey Jones guy because I like guys that can create their own shots for the most part. And yes, Trey Jones is a great passer, but he doesn't do enough else out there for me. I have the heat taking Isaiah Stewart. And Stewart is a complicated guy. We talked about him a little bit earlier. He has these moments where he looks like a man amongst boys out there. He's a really good rebounder, got a seven-four wingspan and can and can block shots, but he's not all that quick. So I sort of question his ability as a rim runner and as a threat, in the, a threat in the open floor. 75.6% shooting from the line is promising, but he hasn't really shown that he can shoot in-game. So we'll see what his NBA jumper looks like. The Heat have great shooting coaches. And if they can coach him as, up as a shooter with their player development, I think he's a different player and he could be really good and he plays hard. He has that Heat map mentality but he's operated out of the post a lot this year because that's college basketball when you have a physically dominant player like that that's what you do he's not going to be getting post touches in the nba though do you think he sees any floor time in his first year that's a good question probably not probably not with myers leonard and kelly olenek there yeah but i think that he's a project and he plays hard and he has he makes some winning plays out there even though washington is not a winning team so we'll see what he can be in the nba let's move on to the
0: 24th pick the utah jazz who do you have them taking so I have the Jazz taking Patrick Williams here okay. because I'm I I'm in love with Williams' upside. I mm-hmm. think he brings a lot to the table. And if you're the Jazz, you don't need a guy that can play right now. You don't. You have your starting lineup, and you need somebody that's going to hit down the road to continue alongside Donovan Mitchell. Because, yes, you have Rudy Gobert, but you want another offensive piece. And I believe Patrick Williams can grow into something resembling that. Um, basically, I think he has the most upside of any player available here, and that's why I would take Williams to the Jazz.
1: So I have the Jazz taking a guy that I see as being similar to Patrick Williams in a lot of ways, and that is Robert Woodard out of uh, Mississippi State. These are two guys that project as fours. They have some defensive ability. They can shoot the three. They're powerful. Um, and so Woodard is a fluid shooter. He's tough. He's really good on the glass. Shooting forty five and a half percent from three this year, just sixty three percent from the line. So it's not certain certain how good of a shooter he'll be, but I think he'll be good enough. And he's not fearless. He'll go after people. And if you're looking at the Jazz rotation. I try to see guys where like I did with the Justin Jackson minutes, right? Is is there a spot that he can reasonably fill? I think you look at those Georges Yang minutes, he can add superior defense there and potentially superior shooting and he can play then for a team that is going to be, you know, a a quasi contender in the Utah Jazz. So I like Woodard um and that's my pick there. Let's move on to the 25th pick which the Knicks of course just recently got from the Clippers for Marcus Morris.
0: Who do you have the Knicks taking? So I have the Knicks finally not messing this one up, and they take a swing at Jalen Smith, uh, your guy. Nice. Can, can, I, can I refer to him as your guy oh, from now Oh, he's my on? guy. He's my guy to the max. <laughs> um, You know, Carson's in love with him. He convinced me on him. He's been on a hot streak, and I can definitely see Jalen Smith skyrocketing toward the lottery, as you saw in Carson's mock, um, by the end of this, because he's been on quite the tear for Maryland. Um, but yeah, I have the Knicks getting him. This is a great steal at at the point in the draft, and <laughs> it's a steal. I'm the one making the draft. What am I talking about? <laughs> Uh, but I think if the Knicks are going to do something right, taking Jalen Smith is a step in the right direction.
1: I like that pick for them a lot, uh, especially playing alongside, you know, potentially Mitchell Robinson as a rim runner in my world, I have them taking James Wiseman. So I want them to take a four that can stretch the floor because they've committed to Kevin Knox and RJ Barrett. Kevin Knox has had some really rough moments and I don't know if he's the long-term solution. I really disliked him coming out of the draft because of the shot selection, the inability to play defense, the lack of playmaking, but this isn't about Kevin Knox. I have the Knicks taking a big swing, Logan, a Kristaps Porzingis type swing, except not in the top four of the draft. I have them taking Alexej Pokusevski out of Serbia. One more time. Alexej (laughs) Pokusevski. He's seven foot. He's got a 7'3 wingspan. He's can legitimately handle the ball and shoot got great decision-making vision and instincts as a passer. He's just a natural basketball player. He doesn't forecast his passes. He makes some awesome decisions when he's in the air and people are expecting him to shoot. No, nope, he, he can pass out of that. Um, he can also be a shot blaker, blocker because he's long. He can be a bit careless. And Logan, I know you're not going to like this because you've been you've been taking shots at the skinny guys. He's one hundred ninety five pounds,
0: seven foot one ninety five. I got to. I'm one of the skinny guys. I got to.
1: I mean, he is thin as a rail, and that means that he does have trouble taking it inside sometimes offensively, and he can have trouble having it taken inside on him. But I think you take a flyer because of his fit alongside Wiseman, and there is dynamic potential there offensively with his ability to shoot and handle the ball at that size. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see if he shoots up draft boards because he's sort of going to be unproven production wise because he's playing in a lower league, but he's just there's some really intriguing upside there to me.
0: Yeah, no, uh, most of these big, tall guys who can shoot the rock from EuroLeague, I mean, they're they're intriguing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think he does have to put on some weight. Um, he kind of looks like a small forward in some of these pictures I'm looking at here.
1: And, and that could be genuinely the position he plays. I mean,
0: he's sort of reminiscent to me of like a
1: Rodion's Kourouks, who comes out of of Europe and is a super tall guy that can handle and shoot the ball has issues defensively and I think we've seen that Kuruks can be a decent player. I know he didn't have a good hasn't had a good season, got demoted to the G League at one point, but there's there's talent there and I think Pokusevski probably has even more talent to tap cool. into.
0: And there's some defensive upside with that wingspan. So, he's really long, but he is not strong. I don't have a problem with uh, anywhere in the first round. I mean not, not Lotto, but yeah. yeah. Late first round. Yeah, take a swing. I think he's an interesting
1: guy to see how he moves going forward. Let's move on to the twenty sixth pick. The Oklahoma City Thunder have this one via the Denver Nuggets. Who do you have the Thunder taking?
0: So I have them taking Josh Green, and out of high school, uh, Green was projected to be a dominant defender, and he's still shown some really good uh, defensive stretches at U of A. Um, He's a decent shooter, and his stock has just plummeted, though. I mean, he's had a bad season, and it's been because of his jump shot. I'm hoping that we can see him pick it back up here, but I still like his defensive ability. Again, as you mentioned, the Thunder are looking for that guy, and Mm. I think he's – man – If they bring in another Andre Roberson, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping Green pans out, but you bring in a 3 and D guy and there's never enough to go around in the NBA. Positionally, absolutely makes sense. I just
1: don't like Josh Green based off what I've seen from him. I think the jump shot's too inconsistent. He has a terrible handle for a guard, so he can't really create for himself other than straight line drives because he is powerful athletically. I have them taking Jordan and Wara out of Louisville because this is a guy that can just shoot at any level of basketball, and that is valuable. He is killer off the catch, he can shoot off the dribble, he's got a fluid, beautiful jump shot, doesn't need much space, because he's about 6'7", so he can get a shot off. He can work as a cutter, he's got good touch, only decent athletically, probably suspect defensively, which could be a problem, but he can shoot the hell out of the ball. And for the Thunder, who are a bottom five team in threes made this year at a below average clip, and they may be losing their best shooter in Danilo Gallinari, I will take the guy that has what I believe is a certain commodity offensively in his raw shooting ability over a guy like Josh Green who yes has the defensive ability but if he can't shoot you probably can't play him
0: much so I'm gonna have him take Jordan Nwora. let's move on to 27 the Boston Celtics who do you have him taken so I have Boston taking a uh, Zeke Naji here and it's the, uh, it's the it's the second uh, it's back-to-back uh U of a guys uh, here and I think Naji just shows he's got a little upside here it's not that big a high- risk pick for uh for Boston it's It's no risk, actually. It's just, I think Najee's a special talent. I think maybe that the Celtics can grow with him. They've shown that they can produce uh, with guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Obviously, they were top-notch guys. Maybe they can develop some of these lower-level guys.
1: I like Najee. Um, I have him going very soon. Just another thing to point out from this, the Celtics sneakily have three first-rounders again. They always have picks. And then they take these picks, they move them, they Mm -hmm. get more. They're just smart. I have the Celtics taking a pick that I think they would be thrilled with. I have them taking Daniel Oturu. This is a guy who can attack off the bounce, probably does it more in callers than he will in the NBA, but great touch. He's fluid for his size. I think as a pick and roll finisher and as a rim runner, he could be really good. And he's a 31% shooter from three in his career. If he adds that three point shot, you're talking about a really good NBA player, I think, and if you're looking at someone to fill what they hoped would be the Robert Williams role, which has become the Daniel Tice role, I think that Oturu has much more upside there, also has talent as a rim protector, 2.7 blocks per game, got that 7'3 wingspan, and has the potential to be an awesome five for them, especially, again, if he can solidify that jump shot, which he, I think he has nice touch on, because then you can play five out. He's a, a really potential defensively, and I like Oturu overall, so that's why I have the Celtics going with. How did he drop so far for you? I, this is just where I think his talent okay. is at. I know that there's definitely mixed reviews on Daniel O'Toole. As I mentioned, ESPN has him at like 38. Um, I was looking at a mock from Sports Illustrated that didn't have him taken at all. But what I've seen from O'Toole versus like a guy that you mentioned in Vernon Carey, I like O'Toole a lot more. He's more fluid. He has to me a game that projects more to the NBA. So I like him. And I think that this would be a great pick for the Celtics. Moving on to 28, the Toronto Raptors.
0: Who do you have them taking? So I have them taking uh, Jameis Ramsey out of Texas Tech, and mm. I think it works well because you just add a guy that can play alongside uh, Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. You know, he's at the two spot. He can shoot a little bit. And I think it works um, a lot because he doesn't have to worry about holding on to the ball and playmaking. You have Lowry and Van Vliet, which allows him to play completely off the ball. He's been putting up some pretty good numbers as of late uh, for Texas Tech. I think it works. I think that the Raptors would be glad to bring in another young guard and see what he can do alongside. Some very talented, uh, well, a young guard and an old one in Lowry and Van Vliet.
1: I like the argument you just made because I'm not a Ramsey guy, but the reason I'm not a Ramsey guy is because as a primary ball handler, I think he has very subpar feel, I think he's got a subpar basketball IQ. And as I mentioned, I don't like guys that have negative assist to turnover ratios. He has one, and I really don't like it out of a point guard, mm-hmm. I really don't like it out of a point guard, but. If you move him to more of the off-guard spot, he's playing off-ball like in the vision you just articulated. I like that because he can shoot off the catch um, 45.5% from three. He does have good touch. He's explosive and he's aggressive. So if he's just a guy that comes in for a few minutes a game and fills it up scoring, I like that role for him in the NBA. I have the Raptors taking Zeke and Najee. Obviously, this team has no need. Najee is skilled out of the post. He's got soft touch for mid-range. Nice athlete, gets the line, fluid mover, good on the boards, 78% from the line means that that jump shot is projectable, doesn't have any tremendous strengths, but I think he's a good all-around player, and he's my favorite talent left. So that's why I have him taking him. Moving on to 29, the Los Angeles Lakers, who do you have him taking?
0: So I have the Lakers taking uh, Kira Lewis Jr. Um, we agree for the second time of the draft. Let's. You'd figure maybe in 30
1: picks, we'd go more than twice. We're so far away from the draft, though, <laughs> and since we're doing... How we would pick mm-hmm. if we were doing it, you know, a how we expect people to pick, we'd be super similar because we'd probably just follow what some other guys on the internet mm-hmm. say because we don't know GMs. But when it's our own evaluations,
0: we can go all over the place. No, oh, well, I like that. Um, I think Kira Lewis Jr. again, he gives them flexibility in the future. Maybe he grows into something. You can move Caruso. Rondo's got to hit a cliff at some point, you would assume. Uh, but I think he's young. He can learn from these guys. You'd probably G league him, but you give him some time to grow. And I think he's. The Lakers need another ball handler and eventually he could grow into that role. I would just like to correct myself because it's
1: Kyra Lewis Jr. And Kyra. I said I said Kira Kira Lewis Jr. earlier because it looks like Kira, but it's Kyra. He's a sophomore in Alabama, for those who don't know, but he's 18 for this entire season. And there's some there's some tasty upside there because he's got a ridiculous first step. Got some really impressive acceleration he's a willing passer got nice length as far as the defensive side of the ball and he can shoot 35 percent from three in his career 79 percent from the line he can play out of control he's young so that makes sense and he's in a big role offensively uh but he is upside as a bench creator which is something the lakers might need if you look at this roster i mean who did they want to add at the deadline they wanted to add a dinwiddie or a schroeder a guy that could run the offense for them off the bench keir lewis jr in his best version Maybe not for a couple years, but he can can fill that role, I think. Moving ahead to the last pick of the first round, the Boston Celtics picking yet again. They got this one via the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: Who do you have them taking? So I expect the Celtics to go with best player available. I think the best guy still left on my board is Jordan Iwara. And I don't know. I think he's the best guy there. I think that's why the Celtics would take him. They make a habit of just taking best player available. And like I said, it's worked out for Danny Ainge and the crew there. So go Celtics
1: no I like that pick I like Mora I know that he's been criticized this year um, probably for a lack of defense and the fact that he's really just shoots the ball a bunch, but in the NBA, he's just a flat out shooter. And that's a valuable thing to have no matter what. And that's how you get minutes in the league. I have the Celtics taking Josh green because green is a natural athlete. He can finish, he can make plays on defense. As we mentioned, the subpar handle, the streaky shooting, but it shoot 78% from the line. So there's some potential there. And I think it's probably worthwhile for them at this spot. 30th overall. He's a guy that should be able to at least crack the rotation for them. Although they do have a lot of good wings, but for me, if Josh Green weren't in the first round, that might be a little bit excessive. So we've gone through all the picks. Is there anyone that you left off Do you feel like is a notable name that you would like to address to the fans or the doubters, why they weren't on your list?
0: Yeah, Ashton Hagens, I feel like, is definitely one that uh-huh. will probably move up my board and get drafted with mm-hmm. the, the point guard class that we've seen. Um, Adoka Azebueke, uh, I think, is interesting. I just don't really know how his skill set's going to translate. Yeah, he's a he's, great
1: college basketball player. I think he's one of those guys.
0: Um am in... Actually, uh, and then and then Devin Dotson, another Kansas guy. I, I don't really know how he's going to translate. Again, deep on point guards, I just feel like he's not in the same class as some of these other guys. I think that's
1: fair. And I think that Kansas, especially Kansas guards, often we see they stick around for a reason. I mean, LeGerald Vick, great college basketball player. There have been a couple counterexamples. Devontae Graham is a counterexample. Um, you also have a Frank Mason who is sort of somewhere between an example and a counterexample because he's been Chalmers. OK. Mario Chalmers back in the day. So. I don't really have anyone I want to address, maybe Vernon Carey, but I think I talked about that enough earlier. I just don't see the NBA projection. This was a long episode of Nerd Sesh, but one that was jam-packed with information and we hope was fun for you all to listen to as we near the NBA draft. I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.